you hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. So what will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness? Or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions, by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available wherever you find quality Christian books. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. A very pleasant Monday to you. I'm Bill McKeever, your host at Viewpoint on Mormonism. In August of 2012, Eric and I did an eight-part series on a devotional talk that was given by Elder Brad Wilcox having to do with the subject of grace. In September of 2013, the Ensign Magazine ran Mr. Wilcox's speech, though not in its entirety, titled, His Grace is Sufficient, How Does Grace Really Work? Because the Mormon Church has decided to bring this talk back to the forefront, we thought that we would do a repeat of those eight programs that we recorded in August of 2012, and we hope that you will enjoy it as we once again look at the doctrine of grace according to Mormonism. According to the bio, Brad Wilcox serves as a member of the Sunday School General Board of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as well as a BYU Associate Professor in the Department of Teacher Education in the David O. McKay School of Education. And this devotional address was given on the 12th of July, 2011. Now, why are we addressing this? We have found that this particular speech has been mentioned on several people's Facebook pages, and we've also heard personally from people who have heard from Mormons saying that this is my understanding of grace, and they point to this speech by Brad Wilcox. Even some Christians have been encouraged by some of the things that Mr. Wilcox says in this talk. And I would tend to agree that there are some things that he says that sound encouraging. However, you need to take the whole speech into consideration. And that's what we want to do. I don't know if we're going to read every single line, but we certainly are going to go through some of the more important aspects of this speech. And we're going to dissect it and look at what Mr. Wilcox says in light of what Mormon leaders have said. And if somebody wants to go onto the Internet and actually find where this speech is given, uh, they just need to type in, His Grace is Sufficient, is the title of his talk, and then Brad Wilcox, W-I-L-C-O-X. It will be the first thing that pops up on BYU speeches, and they can follow along if they'd like here and see if we're leaving anything out. He starts off by giving, you know, the usual pleasantries that you sometimes do before you really get into the meat of your speech, but then he finally gets to the heart of it when he talks about a BYU student who came to visit him at his office. Yeah, this is titled, Christ's Grace is Sufficient to Cover Us, and this is what he said. A BYU student once came to me and asked if we could talk. I said, of course, how can I help you? She said, I just don't get grace. I responded, what is it that you don't understand? She said, I know I need to do my best, and then Jesus does the rest, but I can't even do my best. 
She then went on to tell me all the things she should be doing because she's a Mormon that she wasn't doing. She continued, I know that I have to do my part, and then Jesus makes up the difference and fills the gap that stands between my part and perfection. But who fills the gap that stands between where I am now and my part? She then went on to tell me all the things she shouldn't be doing because she's a Mormon, but she was doing them anyway. It sounds like she was having what we would call a Romans 7 moment. Mm. Of course, the Apostle Paul talked about that same type of struggle of knowing what to do but not being able to do it. In Romans 7, for instance, he says in verse 15, For what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. It sounds like quite a riddle that Paul is giving us here, but when you go very slowly and you look at what he's saying, it makes perfect sense. It's a struggle I think all of us as Christians, especially myself, I, I, I struggle with that too. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but sometimes I don't always achieve that goal. Now for a Latter-day Saint, because it said she's a Mormon, she was doing them anyway, there are probably more things that she has to consider than what an average person would have to consider. I mean, is she drinking coffee, perhaps, or tea, um, doing some of the things that the Mormon church says specifically? How does she know that? She's, from what I'm gathering here, she's probably a very faithful Latter-day Saint who is struggling with the idea that she's not able to do everything that her church is telling her to do. And I think that's important because if we're going to properly evaluate what Mr. Wilcox says to her in response to her concerns, it's important to draw the conclusion right now. Does this sound like a student who merely wants to make excuses for their sinful life? Or is this a student who really wants to do what's right and finds the struggle that they have in doing what is right? I would tend to say it's the latter. I don't get any impression that she's some kind of closet hedonist no. you know, that's looking for excuses as many Mormons will say, that's why people leave the church. They're always looking for excuses to not live up to this high standard. I don't get that impression from what I've read so far. I don't either. And uh, just based on his description, it does seem like a faithful Latter-day Saint who's gone to plenty of meetings. And she uses this. Uh, uh, she does her best and Jesus does the rest. Where does she get that concept? Well, that's a great question because she's using a phrase that I've heard Mormons use before. I remember having a conversation with two sister missionaries on Temple Square. And they said, well, you have to understand, we believe we do our best and Jesus does the rest. I think this can be pinpointed back to another BYU professor Stephen E. Robinson, who wrote a book called Believing Christ, The Parable of the Bicycle and Other Good News. On pages 87 and 88, this is what he said. He says, on one occasion, I was lecturing on a related subject in a small town in Nevada. I explained that perfection was not required of us all at once, but that we are obligated to do all we can while the Savior has promised to do the rest. After the lecture, someone came up to me and said, Dr. Robinson, do you know what this means? It means I don't have to 
canned peaches this year. <laughs> that's a that's a Mormon nuance, okay. And he says, and at this there was a general round of laughter, but when it subsided, I quickly responded, "Oh no, my friend, you have misunderstood me. That's not what it means at all. If you really believe that God expects you to can peaches, and then he has in parentheses, and that's an arguable proposition." He said, then you must can all the peaches you're able to can. All this doctrine means is that you don't need to feel guilty or worry about the peaches you can't can. That's how he explained it. He goes on on page 88. Dr. Robinson says, this is not a doctrine of easy grace. There is no virtue one might have possessed before entering the covenant that one may then discard or renounce even entering upon entering the covenant without violating the covenant. The gospel covenant is not an excuse to work beneath our abilities. The covenant requires more than merely wishing we were better. We've got to actually do what is within our power. Although personal perfection is not required of us right now, our best attempt at it is. Then the next sentence, Eric, what does he say? The good news is that God will not require of us more than the best we can do, but the bad news is he will not accept less than that either. Wow. Okay. So there's good news and there's bad news, but notice he's making it very clear that this good news, bad news dichotomy here is based on the individual's personal performance. Now, when he talks about easy grace, I can only assume that maybe... Dr. Robinson has read Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who had a phrase he called cheap grace. Bonhoeffer had a very big complaint with the Lutheran Church in Germany during his time that that they were all talk and they were no action. And he was saying that it has to be a combination of both, that if you have a real faith, you're going to obey and things like that. Very similar to what James is trying to get across in James 2.20. However, we cannot forget, and we cannot say that it's an exact comparison, because Bonhoeffer always put people going back to faith. He always put it back to grace and grace alone. And he did not have a kind of understanding that I'm sure that Dr. Robinson has. So it would not be fair to try and say that his easy grace is similar to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer was saying. Stephen Robinson goes on on page 101. What does he say there? He says, why does the church sometimes seem to demand more of me than I think I can do? Why is there always so much pressure for me to be and to do and to give more? Well, first of all, we've got to remember that perfection is the goal, a real goal, and we should be working for it with all our best efforts. We just need to remember at the same time that our salvation is not hanging in the balance. Now let me very quickly say this before we close. Robinson is giving what really appears to be a false sense of security because when we look at what Spencer Kimball taught on pages 208 and 209 of the Miracle of Forgiveness, we find a statement that says just the opposite of what Dr. Robinson has just said. Kimball said the gospel is the program of action, of doing things. Man's immortality and in eternal life are God's goals. Immortality has been accomplished by the Savior's sacrifice. Eternal life hangs in the balance awaiting the works of men. So it seems like Kimball would disagree with what Robinson was saying there. And then he goes on and says being perfect means a triumph over sin. This is a mandate from the Lord. 
And that's the problem. This young girl comes in, and she, I'm sure she understands this. She is actually quoting some of the phrases that she has heard, some of the phrases that we have heard. Right. And these phrases that I think these BYU professors like Robinson have coined as an attempt to help alleviate the anxiety and the guilt are not working. They're not working. They are still seeing that they are coming short. That's why this young lady is coming to this professor to talk about this. She sees that she's still not satisfied, that she hasn't met this goal yet. Well, you know what she needs, Bill, is she needs good news. She needs good news. She needs the gospel, and instead, what he's going to give her is not the gospel. It sounds good at the front, but as you keep on going, we find that there's some real difficulties in this. We're going to continue our look at this speech by Brad Wilcox in tomorrow's broadcast. Hope you can join us for that. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. But did you know you can also listen to past broadcasts at your convenience? Simply go to Mormonism Research Ministries website at mrm.org. Again, that's mrm.org and scroll down to the box that says, listen to the podcast. Click here and you'll find links to past shows that cover a number of pertinent subjects. Feel free to download the shows to your favorite listening device. And by all means, please share them with your friends. Once again, that's mrm.org.